Welcome, welcome, welcome to Almost Midnight, a horror anthology podcast. My name, as usual, as always, Mr. Cleaver. And thankfully, there's no crickets in the background. I am joined today by... That's me, it's MJL, your hippie horror host. I'm back. Yep, and he's helping me take on three more episodes of the seminal anthology series, Tales from the Motherfucking Crypt. That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, this this was a different kind of three episodes. I wasn't uh, I had um, in the I guess every other one, I kind of had a a 10 out of six or a five out of five. But uh, this group was a little weaker, man. I I see where you're where you're coming from. There's no classics classics in here, but I think that's at least two thirds successful. Yeah, there's enough in uh, episode eight that uh, I liked. So, yeah, kick us off, brother. Okay, we are going to discuss season two, episode seven, The Sacrifice. Directed by Richard Greenberg. Look at you. Yeah. All professional-like. Oh, it start, this episode starts Kim Delaney, who I love. As Gloria Fielding, Kevin Kilner as James. Uh, we got Dan Hood as Sebastian Fielding, and we've got Michael Ironside, our Canadian Anthony Hopkins, playing Jerry. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And our Crypt Keeper was a chef at the start of the episode. Good chef puns. Yep. I. This one I always skip. Yeah. And it's, it's not it's not as though it's bad, it's just I don't know, it's not horror, right? Yeah. Yeah, well it's yeah, it's more in the thriller realm. But like the boat, why not? <laughs> yeah. I like uh, the na- I like that name for boat too, about three boats ago. Yeah, that was a good one. Well, we do learn in this episode that parrots really can you know mock voices and uh the world turns with what is it money pussy and uh the money pussy and bullshit capital of the world yep sure was yeah that's that's it but basically what we got here is uh poor james is uh hood uh, is basically a sleazy life insurance salesman right yeah, he's kind of like a great value Kevin Costner. Exactly. Exactly. And we've got a uh, Kim Delaney is uh, Gloria, our wife of the very brash, very rich Sebastian Fielding, her husband, who basically requested the best uh, insurance, slickest insurance salesman they had, right? Oh, yeah, and you want to know how shady this guy? He took a cut of the commission the poor guy was going to get. Yep, sure did. 
30% non-negotiable. Yeah, that's how you get there. You don't get the fucking the top by not ripping off a bunch of people. Yep. yep. You don't get to the top by taking 20%. Oh, yeah. He takes to the man's wife, and uh, they begin a little, uh, little affair there. And before you can say forensic files, they figure out a way to knock off her hubby and make a way with the life insurance. We've got parrots. We've got a wife that sees dollar signs. We've got a shady insurance salesman who's getting some action. And really, he's getting all the three things. Yeah, I'd I'd settle for the Kim Delaney. So they basically what they do is they they take her husband out on the in the uh, huge ass building that he lives in uh, to get him to show him the view. And you don't have to be a, you know, a scientist to know what's going to happen next. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, Great value. Kevin Costner grabs his ankles and tries over the balcony there. And uh, he fights for his life. But, yeah, they get him down there. Uh Uh-huh. They sure do. But there's a hitch. Somebody's watching. Yup. And taking pictures. And who else could it be but the always villainous but greatly awesome Michael Ironside? You know the movie's at least going to be watchable when Michael Ironside shows up. Always, man. Always. He's a pro. Yes, apparently he carries a torch for the the new widow. Yeah, he sure does. And uh, he lets them know that uh, he just happened to be looking over and happened to get some pictures of Buddy throwing the husband over the rail. Yeah, really good pictures. But what does he want? He doesn't want money, Cleaver. He wants a little Kim Delaney. Yep, he wants the second thing that makes this world go round. <laughs> yep, so this begins. Uh, she is forced to spend a couple torturous days a week with Michael Ironside, apparently oh. doing whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, he even pimps her out. This, yeah, this is what she says. She always yeah. reports back. She's like, this is what happened this week. And then our great value, Kevin Costner, is starting to feel guilty about everything. Sure is. There's no way out. There's one way out. Oh, there sure is. Romeo takes a bunch of sleeping pills. And claims responsibility for everything. The one part I do like a lot about this little episode twist, she gets the note, she takes it out of his hand and uh, reads it. And it's all him claiming responsibility and blah, blah, blah. Right. She goes to the car. There's Michael Ironside. He's like, did he do it? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's dead. Took 48 pills. Or whatever. 48 or whatever it is. And then he's like, did you get rid of the the suicide note? She's like, oh yeah. Sure did. (laughs) Erases him. I know. Gone. That was a great ending. I love the the line that Ironside has when he said he swallowed a bunch of sleeping pills. He says, sleeping pills, how tacky. (laughs) They just got to give him one more shot on the way down. 
Oh yeah, poor. Guy. I like talking about this episode more than watching it. <laughs> yeah, I know it. It definitely has moments. The end hook was fine, but honestly, going on your system, man, it's a two point five out of five for me. You know what? I'll give it the same. You um, this was a perfectly acceptable episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like it. It felt like a feller episode. It didn't push nothing. It didn't. No, I expect some blood and a lot more, at least, like, give me sensuality or give me, like, violence. I need some guilty pleasure element. There was definitely uh, a sex vibe in a lot of these, but there was no nudity I found in these episodes, unless I got edited. There's a quick boob flash in episode eight, and then um, a very voyeuristic view of Patricia Arquette. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I I was watching a pretty grainy YouTube. It was the best I could find. So Oh, I got you. Uh the next time you watch episodes, some dude has been upscaling them to 4K. Oh. Yeah, so shout out. I don't know who's doing it, but if you just look up Tales from the Crypt, some dude is putting a lot of work into it, and so far he's made it through most of the season, so nice okay well i'm definitely gonna have to take another look because yeah the the ones i found they were fine but they were probably like vhs or less quality no i got you i got you so yeah yeah, uh, the sacrifice skippable but not bad fair next up sir for crying out loud oh I can't do it. I can't go that high. I'd break my fucking throat. Sam Kinison rocks, dude. Do you have the director? Jeffrey Price. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. I got the... Yeah, you got Jeffrey. Is it written by somebody named Sam? For some reason, that name popped into my brain. Oh, um, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, this one... Uh, it opens with a, it looks like a somber procession. They're going to the electric chair. Sure are. And he's talking to himself and they're like, who the fuck are you talking to? Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, please, please, let's do this. Yeah. He goes and jumps in the chair. Yeah. And they flip the switch. And then we basically, the episode's kind of a flashback. What led us to this moment? I'm surprised they didn't cut in with his voice being like, you're probably wondering how I got here. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, that might actually be a little too close to, uh, like, the very first episode. Oh, yeah, I know. I just, I thought that'd be funny. It, it's like a, like a fake trailer moment where it's like, you're probably wondering how I got there. And they start playing the opening chords under pressure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I will say this. Tales from the Crypt has a fascination with electric chairs. You know why? I think it's the grizzly, the most grisly execution method. There. Hanging is pretty rough, too, though. I hate how once somebody uh, hath done died, their body's just hanging there, and it's like slowly... I don't know, it just creeps me out. Anyway, yeah, he hops in an electric chair, dies with a smile on his face with his ear smoking, and then we cut to a day or two earlier. And he's at his doctor's office complaining about uh, ringing in his ear. Not a ringing. He can hear like a mumbled voice in his ear. Yeah. 
And the doctor says, yeah, earplugs for the workplace. Uh, and if I were you, I'd get a different line of work. And he said, will tonight be soon enough, Doc? So basically, he's hosting this charity concert with Iggy Pop. And it's a charity concert for the Amazons. Yep, to help those those brave Amazonians. Yep, absolutely. Save the Amazons. But it turns out he's going to take all the benefit money and fucking book it. One million dollars. Yeah, and the, the, the main gentleman is played by Lee Ehrenberg, who most people would know from Pirates of the Caribbean. Absolutely. I think that's where most people know him from. I know him from two episodes of Seinfeld, which were amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and me. we've got one other big, big, big... Well, we got two, but there's one that's on stage right there. We've got Iggy Pop in the house. Iggy Pop, who is still alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still that... alive. Yeah, it's crazy, man. But I love that the band's called the Leather Weasels. <laughs> Yeah, the leather weasels. <laughs> yeah, and he's still doing the shirtless, you know. Oh, hells yeah. He's all sinew, that man. It's friggin' great. It is just crazy. But yeah, it's great to see Iggy Pop there. And oh, and then we got Katie Seagal. Oh, yeah, she looks hot in this episode. But before that. Yeah. Yeah, he's lording over his, his wealth. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then all of a sudden he hears somebody who sounds a lot like, rest in peace, comedian Sam Kinison starts talking in his ear and saying, "Don't touch that money." Yep. And he yep. says, "Who the who is this? Your conscience?" He said, "I don't have a conscience." He said, "Well, what am I? Talk radio?" <laughs> and so ah. basically, so basically he just starts fucking with him like he's like, you know, give the money back. You're better than this, but doing it in that in Sam Kinison fashion, like, ow, ow, ow. Yeah, exactly. That that high pitch, just wah, the bark, man. And they're swearing. It is great. That I really enjoyed. I got a good laugh out of it. Absolutely. Whose ever fucking idea it was to have him do an audio-only performance for this episode. Oh, and I love how it all kind of comes full circle and he catches himself. Yeah. He's goddamn pencil in the air, man. Oh yeah. His uh this hot looking groupie comes in with his big yep. black wig and she's like, You're saving the Amazon. I want to blow you. I'm paraphrasing, but that's where we're getting at. Yeah. Until she until she whips off her wig and says, Hey, I'm your banker, and I noticed that you uh withdrew all one million dollars of the save the Amazon money. Isn't that weird? And then his his uh, conscience is like, Okay, turn yourself in. It's a good game, but it's done. It's over. Yep, it's over. And then he goes to close his curtains and says, uh, you're a banker, right? Count out your half. And as she's doing that, he goes and gets a guitar. He gets his axe. Yep, he says, you know who gave me this axe? Pete Townsend. And then he uses it to bash her fucking brains in. Yep, and uh, drum case later. He shoves her into a, into a drum case. And Sam Kinison's like, what, you couldn't find a shoebox? Yeah. It's freaking awesome. So many great one-liners in this episode. And uh, there's a lot of funny, like when the cop comes in and Sam Kennison's yelling, trying to convince him. His conscience is trying to convince him that the cop can hear him. And everyone can hear him. I killed her. Just imagine this 
this wired lunatic trying desperately trying to get away with embezzlement and murder in the middle of a concert while Sam Kinison is is talking shit right in both your ears. Yep. Nope. Fantastic. And it really honestly ends the only way it can end, sir. Exactly. Like he's basically he's like, you know, jamming Q-tips in his ear and like trying to shut him up, pouring alcohol in there. And then before too long, he just, OK, I'm fucking booking it. And so he grabs the cash and he's trying to slip out. But everybody's looking at him weird. And he's like, see, they can hear me, Marty. I'm telling you, they can hear me. And then he goes and he starts like what beating his head into a speaker. Yeah, yeah. He puts I killed my banker. And hey. then I, I love the very, I love the the last pretty much line of it before it cuts back to electric chair. Yeah, he's just like, uh, look at, uh, in your ear there, Marty. Uh, you think that maybe that's what they were looking at? Yeah, <laughs> maybe they couldn't hear me all that time. Maybe you just yeah. confessed for no reason. Yeah. And then we fast forward. So how long was he in that prison? I have no idea. I think it's EC time. So it's probably like two weeks later, (laughs) something like that. Well, who knows? There's definitely some time there because he's had to listen in silence, stoic, stewing silence as Sam Kinison conscience is chattering away where we get to i guess full circle and he's just pray for death pray for death pray for death like is it time yet yeah yeah i think i'd get there too man sam kennison i think god rest his soul he great funny comedian but boy oh boy if i had to listen to that 24 7 yeah i'd throw a gasket too i love how he's just telling him a random joke in prison where he's just like there's a a nun, a rabbi, and they're in a boat. There's only enough food for two of them. Stop me if you've heard this one before, Marty. Oh, are you still upset about this? Yeah. So yeah, then, Oh, yeah. Lee Ehrenberg's uh, performance is freaking great. Amazing. Very. He's definitely a talented physical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Good stuff, man. That's why I was kind of like, I was confused because i i thought you'd like this one and foresight a triangle yeah you know what actually kind of reviewing it in my mind and thinking about means and all the kind of funny awkward you know uh, honestly i think i'd give it a four out of five i love that's exactly where i'm at yeah it it did i i had a good giggle out of it sam kennison's voice and and just the fact seeing iggy pop up there it was great Good, good episode. It's such a such an interesting idea, the mechanism of your conscience, like some somehow being a real thing, and then being able to actually invoke itself in your brain. It's kind of frightening in a way. Sure is. You know what? An interesting, and I think it got panned in reviews, but I really enjoyed it, and I found a copy of it when on one of my treasure excursions. But upgrade. Have you ever checked that out? Oh, frick, no, I've heard great things I've been meaning to. Dude, that is cool, man. Straighten the boat. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to figure out. Um, okay, it's time to move on to Season 2, Episode 9, Four-Sided Triangle, directed by Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Of Child's Play and 
Fright Night fame? Absolutely. This one, it centers on Patricia Arquette, who plays a young woman who is, um, she's helping out this farmer couple, but you could tell she's there against her will, you know? Seems like they maybe saved her from, like, a bad relationship or something, but now she's, like, their indentured servant. Yep, pretty much. Mary Jo. Yep, and this older couple, the older man, like, fervently lusts after her. Yep, played by Chelsea Ross. Chelsea Ross, freaking great from Major League. Yep, sure is. Throw that little bit of snot, makes a curveball. <laughs> a little bit of Vaseline here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Yeah, he, she's, um, I, that scene where she's in the egg coop and, I I know it's supposed to be voyeuristic, but it was just I was like, this is kinda this is kind of fucked up. Yeah, you know what? The whole episode, the thing that I liked about this over the other ones is it oozed, man. It made me uncomfortable. Exactly, yeah, because um Yeah, yeah. And honestly, Missy from Pet Cemetery. I yeah. think that's how you pronounce it. But uh yeah, she plays Louisa. She is a mean She's got on. a cane. Yeah, she's got a cane, she's got a brace on her leg. And um yeah, she's she's a capital B and he is a just a creep. Like he probably drives a pedo van and a tractor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, you don't have to be a deviant to be attracted to Patricia Arquette, especially in the nineties. Oh, geez, yeah. But I tell you, he takes it far. But what happens is, uh, one of his advances goes too far, and he ends up cracking her in the skull. Oh yeah, was it? Yeah, was it him or his or his old lady? No, it was him. Okay, yeah. Either way, yeah, she ends up having this like brief hallucination where the scarecrow. Yep. Yeah, she crawled away. So basically what happened was is uh he came on to her, got really pie, and credit to both actors, like they they really like it made me just cringe. It was well done that whole scene. But uh basically he's trying to hold her, she's screaming the the mother is or sorry the Louisa is calling for her to do this do that and uh yeah he's got a stopper and he hits her in the head i can't remember what he grabs bucket yeah i well, i think was it a milk bottle well yes it was a milk bottle cuz she threw the pail of milk on him yeah and then like like you said that she starts. She has this little hallucination where the uh, the scarecrow comes down and consoles her for a bit. Yes, because she she gets away because the Louisa comes into the barn and he looks because he tried covering up with hay, and she was gone. So they think she's touched now because she goes on and on about the scarecrow is in love with me and I'm gonna run away with him. Yeah, you betcha, and that carries on for a while. And yeah, and there's a whole lot more hallucinations. And like you said, I think some Patricia Arquette side boob. Yeah, basically, she's going out there and having conjugal visits, quote unquote, with the scarecrow every night. 
Oh yeah, she sure is. And uh, George kind of figures he could put on the clown. That's a creepy scarecrow, man. It had a clown mask. Yeah, that's a double whammy. Yeah, hobo clown mask. But yeah, George goes out and dresses up like the Scarecrow. Yep, and then as she's starting to love on him, his plan is working. His wife wakes up and, you know, suddenly decides to try to find out where her husband is. And I would like to think she knows something's going on, that he's a creeper and something's going down. She's just in denial. Oh, yeah, but 100% knows, yeah. Now she knows. Like, he's gone, he's out there, and she's getting the tractor, she's got her fucking pitchfork, and she's ready to roll. Yep, I'll show you this damn scarecrow isn't real, and she's, she impales her husband. Oh, yeah, the whole time, Mary Jo's like, no! Stab, and he's like, Hugh! and then she realizes what she did. And then Patricia Arquette stabs her. Oh, yeah. It was uh, her brilliant masterstroke all along. Basically, he knocked a plan into her head. Yep. Yep. That's how I interpret it. I don't think she's really crazy at the end. Yeah, it was kind of a stabby circle jerk there. Like, it was... Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely some good pitchfork use there. But, yeah, it, it was the best of the three episodes for me. I like for crying out loud better, but I think this is just as good. It's just not quite as entertaining. I love that she just skips away singing at the end. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and good old George was just a clown shoe. Yeah. Wonk 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 wonk. Yeah, it was you know, you seen it all coming, but it was still pretty fun. This one was uh, a four out of five for me. But I'd say I rated a little higher than uh for crying out loud i can see yeah i'll do four out of five too i think it might be just a tad light on the horror elements just like the sacrifice uh i wouldn't say that really because i mean you do get some good stabby moments and you know you get some tragedy you get some blood you get a bang in the head you get this like creepy overbearing like just sexual predator really he is. It's it's creepy as hell. Ugh. It's a good thing they're both fucking dead. Yeah, exactly. But great performances. Really enjoy it. And one of the things I like about uh, Tales from the Crypt is just all these kind of, you know, secondary actors, not Patricia Arquette, but supporting actors are getting chances to shine. Like, it's great. Oh, yeah. This is her right in the beginning. She did it. She started out really doing really well. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, even going back to, like, episode eight for crying out loud, like, Lee Ehrenberg, you know, he's kind of a career supporting actor, right? And and just great. He was fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I, yeah, there's nothing I don't love about this show. Yeah. Even really when it's bad, it's good. Yeah, fair enough. I know. I'm sorry. We we cruised right through. It's good to talk to you, man. It's been a bit of a road here. So, but uh, it's minus friggin' thirty five degrees Celsius out right now. Well, it's perfect weather to stay in and watch Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I... on Warner Home Video and YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did I uh, did I tell you I seen bodies, bodies, bodies? 
You did not. Give me uh, the report. I think you might like it better than me. I think I'm about 10 years too old. Oof, I'm not either. I'm an old man as well. I don't, I hate new shit. I, I saw that cover and I'm like, it isn't exactly the new. It's just, it, it really is a satire of Gen Z. Whatever the the tech generation is, the after millennials. Anyways, it it has moments. It's definitely got some like there's one part I almost fell out of the friggin' chair laughing. It is hilarious. But um yeah, honestly you can wait. See it for free. I don't want to see it at all. I mean then is don't. It a slasher? <laughs> Sorry? Is it a slasher? No, not really. I'm good then. I guess. No, you know what? Watch Tucker and Dale. There, that should tell you everything you need to know. I will watch Tucker and Dale for the eighth time. Yep, Tucker and Dale's better. Did you say you've seen Barbarian? I sure have. And? My God, I. you know what? <laughs> it started off, uh, kind of, it started off in my top five of 2022. It's moved up to second or third. I oh, love. It. I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, dude, Barbarian is great. Barbarians with Ramsey from friggin' Game of Thrones. That one wasn't good. Didn't care for that. Didn't Barbarian kind of almost apropos of another movie we talked about? earlier tonight moonstalker where it kind of just becomes another movie halfway through yes but it doesn't feel disjointed if that makes sense the way it's executed i feel barbarian 2022 i think is going to go down as a year that's remembered in horror there is so much good stuff that came out this year it's sick horror is really ruling this year it sure is and and that's without halloween like that one pissed me off kind of oh yeah it's fun it's gonna be through oh living through the stigma because <laughs> now i think the bad halloween movies outweigh the good halloween movies yeah i mean you got you got the halloween diehards that are defending and this at the other but I don't know. I guess I'm on the same playing field with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. I friggin' loved it. You I know have. what? Yeah, yeah, I loved it too. I friggin' howled, and I know a lot of people hate it, but it's gonna make my top list of the year. There's three sequels that impressed me enough to make the list, and that's okay. One. I need to know the other ones. Uh, Orphan First Kill shocked the hell out of me how much i love that one so good really esther's badass man i like the i like the original orphan but something about this second one um it just ups the creep factor because of course the actress is actually of age now right so they do some of those cool camera tricks and shots it also allows them to kind of amp up the uh and boy, oh boy, is their blood now. Full-on slasher. At least the first half. I gotta be honest with you. Part of the reason I was reticent to kind of go straight to it is I was nervous about the de-aging nonsense. I, I thought it might be like 
the Irishman, where although I I love that movie, mm-hmm. you spent the entire movie just you know pretty much having this uncanny kind of valley reaction to the uh, the de aging and the technology. Uh, no, because I think we're more dealing with height, and the actress kind of kept her youthful appearance. They didn't have to tweak too much, so it looks pretty good. They, I like props. They did a great job. So it's almost like the Hobbit kind of thing, where yeah, I I feel, you know, with obviously less budget. I mean, there's moments, but it's not as many as you'd think. I really enjoyed Orphan First Kill. Really, you say you haven't seen Smile. I have. That's the only. I would say right now, Smile and the soon to be coming out Violent Night are the only two. Uh, what I would say are big contenders for the year, for the capital B's. Uh, well, you, we're split on that. I I know that Nick loved it. Smile. Yes. Oh, okay. And I gave it a, a six out of ten. Ah, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see. Um I also seen Slashback. It sounded better than it was, unfortunately. Had a great, great premise. A dumb question incoming. Is that mm-hmm. a slasher? <laughs> no, it's an alien sci-fi Canadian flick. Uh set in the Arctic and none of it one of our territories here in Canada. And it's basically set on a remote res reservation for uh, the Inuit people. And it follows this young group of uh, teenage gals who have to fight the alien apocalypse. Oh, it's kind of like a descent type scenario. Um, Except it's young kids. So it's a little more kind of losers club. Oh, I gotcha. With aliens and uh, indigenous teens. Unfortunately, it gets too hung up. It's um, exploring what it's like to be indigenous in a remote community. uh, What prejudices they face and the horror comes second. Which sucks because there's some amazingly great scenes in this and it's just muddled in a poorly edited movie. That's as kind as I can be. Horror movie first, message second. How many times? We don't care if they do. Yep, 100%. No, this one had so much potential. You want to hear what the real gauge is? My sorceress, my, my sweetheart. She is not a horror fan. However, she loves creature features. And it's the one kind of horror genre we can meet on is sci-fi beasties and stuff. And she was excited that we could watch it together. She made it 45 minutes in and she's like, I can't do it. It's too teenage angsty and just boring. Not enough aliens, not enough action, too much of this, I guess, to be Canadian, Del Grassi, Del Grassi drama. And yeah, it's too bad. So that is a reverse recommendation on Slashback. Yep. Let it go, man. 
it like I, I I think I gave it a three on my Twitter rating, but it's uh it's a low three. I'm probably not gonna revisit it for a while. It's it's bleh. and then comes the last kind of new one that I'd add to the list is Jeepers Creepers Reborn. But on this case, I would give it a high three. So right middle of the road. Yeah, it's not as bad as everyone said, but I definitely get the problems with it. Doesn't feel like a creeper movie, and our creeper, if they're going to CGI the hell out of something, at least make it look good. Like, you're dealing with a property here. They could have sunk some money into it. It looks like hell. And the acting's terrible. Yeah, I heard acting rough, a lot of green screen. The creeper looks off. Oh my god, his jaw. That was my problem with it. And it seemed to change. It got better later in the movie, which isn't a good thing. Whoever was on continuity, really, yeah, no. That pisses me. I Because I, I hate how much I love the first two. Oh, well. You know, I just, I, I liked what you said before. The only thing I say about those is there was a lot of great people who put a lot of good work into those movies. It's too bad one jerk deviant had to ruin it, right? But um, Jeepers Creepers Reborn, when you get a chance, if you haven't already. I don't know. I kind of want to skip it because it's just, I heard that it fucks with the mythology too, which I don't appreciate. It does, but I actually enjoyed it more than three. I didn't hate three as much as everybody else did. I hated three. But this one, this one at least has a few things I found going for it. Like there was a couple parts I dug, but for the most part, it was just kind of middle of the road. Not as bad as what everyone said, but definitely eh, when you get to it. I'm sad, but you know what? At least we got a good scream movie this year. Yes, I agree. I don't, I think it might make my list. I don't know. It just. I'm pretty mad about one thing and I just don't want to say it because I don't want to be the spoiler. I'm like, mad, but I, it was so, it was uh, handled, I think, as well as it could. Yeah, nope. <laughs> it was a good movie, man. I'm with you. I, I get it. They they did okay. But um, the one thing I guess maybe I wasn't ready for was the passing of the torch, really. No, I got you. I just... If if you had to kill a legacy character, which yeah. I think they might do in the new one, blink wink, I yeah. wish they had chosen somebody else. I wish they would have chosen somebody else. Yeah, me too. There's definitely one I would have chose before that. But yeah, I I teared up actually. So it, it was a good movie. It was a good sequel, but there's other sequels I just felt were really stood out more. I don't. I, was Candyman this year or was that last year? That was last year. Oh frick. I'm I suck so much at watching new movies. Ah, I'm sorry. But I will say Candyman was awesome. Like I really dug the Candyman 2021. I thought it was super respectful of the uh franchise. I, I dug it. Really dug it. And see, it functions so well as a horror movie, but it also has a very blatant message. Mm-hmm. But if you make a good movie with a message, it's not a problem. You know what I mean? So. Exactly. Even violence, like hyper, like the ultra violence can even be a little glossed. 
Like, I mean, martyrs, high tension. Like, we're talking movies that have these really blood quantum movies that are just so out there violent, but there's this underlying message underneath. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Oscar sisters. <laughs> I've been watching tons of their flicks. I'm totally digging it. Oh, you like the Suska sisters? Yeah, the Twisted Twins, I tell you. Yeah, you know, I didn't actually realize that they directed American Mary. You didn't realize that? Nope, didn't know. I just you, learned. You know what else they directed that I didn't hate? Hmm. See No Evil 2. Oh, I know. I actually did those to talk about in the next day or two. I watched them. I rewatched both of them. They're great. Jacob Goodnight, Kane, The Big Red Machine, fantastic. See No Evil 2 was better than the first one. I loved it. And they directed it. It was great. See Rabbit? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. My only issue was penis. CGI pit penis. That was my only issue with that. I guess I'll figure that out when I watch. Yep. I actually uh, prefer their remake to the original. But I do prefer Marilyn Chambers in the uh, lead role. Yeah, they're definitely two movies. I want to do a head-to-head on them and rewatch them. I'd be willing to. But yeah, I totally dug the heck out of uh, the remake of Rabbit. And then that's what got me on this total train where I've been just watching everything they've been doing and I've been digging it. That's awesome, bud. Yeah, for sure. You're going to have to be my window to 2022 because, like I said, uh, if I get a free moment, apparently I watch shit like Death Spa. <laughs> well, I do too, but uh, I really, I dig new horror. Like, I I really do. I since I would say I've been really keeping up since 2018. Ooh, since 2018, that's about when I dipped out. Yeah, 2018's about where I uh really got although I've always tried to catch like ones that I have a good feeling about in theater within the first week of release. I try. Like Barbarian, I, I see an opening night. Do you know what my prejudice may be? And it's entirely un, unrealistic and irrational. What's that? It's just that the, the movies being made today, clearly they're going to be a reflection of the time that they they take place in. Oh, for sure. I'm just thinking that... Um... Right now, like coming out of a pandemic, we're kind of on the cusp of a possible war. We've got like civil unrest in North America in general. Like it's crazy times. And when shit gets crazy, horror gets good, right? You know what? Yeah, that's true. I just, I guess I just, I, w- I want a big comfy blanket. Oh, yeah, I hear you, man. Well, I will say this, that, um, yeah, we've had some, a good run of horror from 2020, 2021, which is all muddled up, but, uh, yeah, 2022 has been pretty spectacular. Like I've actually, there's movies that are going to make my top all time list. Oh, you think that 
the contenders this year are stronger than the contenders of uh, other years. Yup, and I definitely think 2022 is going to be remembered as fondly as like 1984 somewhere down the road. Ooh, not in 1981 though. Well, 81, 84. I loved 84, but yeah, 81 for sure. That you was can't a... touch 81. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with the early 80s. Like, there's so much good. I hate to say it, but we're so much more forgiving of bad movies from the 80s. Yeah. How do you think the Tales from the Crypt has aged? Pretty good, actually. Yeah, I know. It's, it's the 90s. Oh, sure, but it's got kind of almost like a Tim Burton-y kind of feel to it now, eh? Like out of time, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it, if yeah, I think it was so cutting edge at the time that it's translated well today because, yeah, I've had no issues. Season two has been pretty good. How many more episodes do we have? Uh, we did. We got nine more. Yeah, I was going to jump on the next one because I kind of got a quick look at who's in it. and I'm like, I'm in. Oh, yeah, the next three are really good. Yeah, Bobcat Goldweight's in the next one. Eh? The Ventriloquist Dummy. Yeah. Oh, and Dummy Crickles. Perfect. Well, I'm excited, sir. Even though Ventriloquist Dummies are like my Achilles heel. I hate them. They freak me out. Oh, I know. Uh, do yourself a favor and go watch the uh, the old TV ads for Magic. <laughs> no. <laughs> Pass. There's an entire documentary on Shudder called Primal Scream that only runs about 30 minutes. Uh-huh. But it's purely about how that ad uh, kind of traumatized the generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, yes. Well, Mister Cleaver, thank you so much. I had fun, and like I said, you let me know if you need a wingman for your tales from the crypt journey. Oh, you bet. You're you're gonna be my crypt guy. Okay, fair, dude. Nick has agreed to do a Christmas horror story with me. Oh, good. Good, good. Christmas Horror Story. I like that's one with Shatner, right? You bet. Oh, great movie. You guys are going to have a blast. Oh, I watched one more new one. You know what else I checked out, dude? What's that? Old People. You're just watching Old People? No, that's what the movie's called. It's on Netflix. Oh, I got you. I know. Okay, you know what? They are terrifying. Dude... This movie is going to make it into the top six of my 2022, this Polish movie. And the cool thing for you, dude, is it's dubbed, man. Right out of the gate on Netflix, they dubbed it. Is there a... Oh, fuck. Is there a subtitle option? Because then I'm going to have to watch subtitles. Yes, there is a subtitle option for you. So, Yep, there's a subtitle option, or you can go dubbed, whatever you want. But... uh, Dude is fantastic. Good kills. Good stuff. Old people fucking... Yeah, literally, it's Night of the Living Dead. Just pull out all the zombies and... um, I've got a cat fight upstairs. Pull out all the zombies, (laughs) replace them with 
psycho old people with vengeance, vengeance demon possessing them. It's great, dude. Enough. Elderly people horror. No? Oh, well, this one's good. Rabbit want, Grand. Want a cheesy one? Check out Bingo Hell on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, Bingo Hell. Bingo Hell's funny. I love the main gal. She's great. And Richard Brake is so good in that, is kind of the demon who runs the bingo. <laughs> it's a laugh. Richard Brake's kind of a go-to... We need a real good villain guy lately. Uh, yeah, I feel like he's really coming into his own, eh? Like, he's kind of the new Bill Mosley. <laughs> yeah, good. He made 31 watchable, and that would have been hard to do. Thank, Thank you so much for stopping by the crypt, sir. For sure, dude. Take care, buddy. Have a good night.